Alaska. Well, kids, you can take off to your classrooms. Go and have some fun. Hallelujah. Is that on? Green? Good to go. Hallelujah. Woo, what a good testimony. It's good to celebrate with those who celebrate. Come on. Hallelujah. And I, I think it's a really fitting testimony to give, too, because back when we were doing that series with Doubt and Unbelief, that was part of our faith series, and we were looking at the opposite. If you can stand in faith, there's also these things that will try to rob your joy, and it's perfectly fitting because I've been saying, we're coming back to our faith series, and uh, there, there's more to be said, and it seems like uh, that seems to be God's theme that he's wanting to weave through this year of 2023. We already did a bunch of messages in the summer. In, in the spring, we did five weeks on the law of faith when we were looking at the, key, uh, the laws of the kingdom of God. Paul said, we, do, we don't live by the law of works, we live by the law of faith. And so it's not about do good, get good, it's about you believing what God said you have, amen? And so we're looking back at faith, and it's so important, we have to, we have to give it the place that the Bible gives it. It says the just shall live by faith. We don't have moments of faith, we are to have a life of faith. We're not to have just events here and there where we, where we oh, i got to step my faith. No, we live by faith every day. And as you learn, we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We go from one victory to the next. You know, the Bible says that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And the implications of what it says there with our sight is like, no, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I am moved only by the word of God and what it says about me. And if I have to deny my own feeling, I'm going to go ahead and do that because the word of God said this is how it is. And if God said it, it's a sure word that doesn't change ever because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever forever and so we're jumping back into our, our series on faith and we're probably going to do a few a few weeks I don't know how long it seems like uh, we, we have an intention when I start out sometimes it's like oh it's going to be two or three weeks and then you know in 2021 when we were preaching on the Holy Spirit we went six months and then in 2022 we spent so much time on looking at the authority of the believer and the nature and the character of God. Why? Because he has different themes he's wanting to implant in you that we don't need to just know part of the word. We need to know all of the word because it's all beneficial to you. Amen? And so we're going to be spending a bunch more time on faith. And uh, man, whew, Holy Spirit, we just give you honor. We give you glory right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you to be the one that leads and directs us of where we should be in this series and what we should say and where the emphasis needs to be because you know our hearts. You know what we're going through, but you also know our destiny. And we thank you, Father, that you are preparing us ahead of time for things that we'll walk in in our destiny. Oh, I thank you, Father, that we don't have to wonder, oh, God, what do you have for me? What have you called me to? Oh, I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the great revealer. You show us things to come. You bring things to our remembrance. You show us how to glorify the Father. And so right now, before we say another word, we continue to honor you, Holy Spirit. Oh, we thank you for your leading and your guiding. Oh, we thank you for your strength in our bodies right now. As the word said, if you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he quickens your mortal body. He makes it alive. And so right now, we 
speak health and healing to our bodies, that we are even made alive right now. Things are becoming new and things are getting, getting uh, shifted away. They're, those things that have been plaguing us, oh, I thank you, Lord, that you are our healer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Woo! Okay. <laughs> Let's see if we can get on task here. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't you go in your Bibles over with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want to spend a few minutes just doing a review of some of the things that we've said so far this year before we move on to more. And I, I thought it might be applicable to go to Romans chapter 10 where Paul starts out in the first of the chapter. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. And this is just an interesting side thought here. Paul's saying, my heart and my prayer is for my, my brothers and sisters who were of our Jewish uh, ancestry. I want them to be saved too. And I think this is an interesting concept for us today. I find so many Christians are happy that they're saved, but could care less about what happens to everybody else. Where Paul's saying, no, my heart's desire is that they be saved too. Come on, we have a lost and a dying world that needs to hear about the goodness of God, needs to hear about the sacrifice of Jesus. And if it was good for you, it's good for them because Jesus said it's good for all. And all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Paul says, my brethren, my, my heart's desire is that Israel be saved. In another point, he said, you know, I would be even willing to sacrifice and substitute my salvation so that they could be saved, which, you know, that's such the heart of God, isn't it? Isn't that what God did? He became sin for us, him who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And the very heart of God was being imprinted off on Paul saying, I, I would become the sacrifice for them if that was possible. That's really the heart of God beginning to be reflected as we're transformed into his image and his likeness. And he says about them, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And we can be zealous about things, but not actually have it based upon truth and what actually God has said. And in the body of Christ, we have lots of the things we get excited about that aren't actually that scriptural. And here he says with the children of Israel, they're zealous for God, but not according to knowledge. They don't actually know his true nature. And here in verse 3, he says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And so because of their lack of understanding, their lack of knowledge, they've been trying to establish their own right standing. That's what righteousness means. It means right standing with God. It means the state of him who is as he ought to be. That's one of the definitions of righteousness. He, you are in the state of him who is as he ought to be. Another way you could say it is you are fully justified. Justified has an interesting thing you could say with it. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has washed it away. It says that he's placed it as far as the east is from the west. He said, I will blot out your, the, writing, the transgressions and the writings that were against you so that you can't see them anymore. He's taken them away. And he says, Israel is trying to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And he says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness 
to everyone who believes. Righteousness is given to everyone who believes. Those who step into Christ Jesus, you become new creations in Christ Jesus. And as we already were quoting, he who knew no sin became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. When you believe, you are fully righteous. You are in perfect right standing. There is nothing standing between you and God. And so if there ever tries to come an inferiority mentality that I'm just not worthy, I just, I can't be there. Because, you know, a lot of people suffer from that. Their insecurities begin to play into their relationship with God. And they think of all the reasons why God wouldn't do this for me because of what I've done or who I am. No, you need to get a new picture of who you are in Christ Jesus and what he's done for you. But here it says, for Christ is the end of the law. That's important. That's going to play a big factor into where we're going in this week and next week. And he says, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. And he's saying basically it's that law of works. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That's the way of the law. We are under the way of faith, righteousness by faith. We said all that just to get here to verse number six. It says, but the righteousness of faith, everyone say, of faith, speaks in this way. You want to know what faith sounds like? Paul's about to tell you. Because there's a lot of people over the last 15 years that, I, that I have been a pastor, they tell you that they're believing something, and then you listen to their words, and their words are not the words of faith. They are not speaking in line with the Word of God. And so you want to know what the Word of God, what faith sounds like? Well, first he starts with what it doesn't sound like. He says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or... Who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And so what faith doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like you making God do anything. Come on. And I've heard a lot of criticism of faith people in the past, like, oh, you're just trying to make God do what you want him to do. That's not faith. Faith does not sound like you making God do anything. You know, there was a video in the late 90s that was going around making fun of faith people where they had a, a guy playing God and they had him up on the throne all tied up and they were holding him hostage. Lord, you're going to give me a new Cadillac. And they were mocking the things of faith. But that's because they had no understanding of what faith actually is. Faith is not making God do anything. You want to know the truth? God's done all he's going to do. He sat down because he said, it is finished. Hallelujah. I've done a work. And so faith is not making God act. Faith is accessing what he's already done and says is true for you. And that's why you will find in the New Testament, most of the promises are listed as past tense. Because Jesus has done the work. Well, I don't feel like I'm living in some of those promises. That's where we begin to align our words and our thoughts with what he has said versus what we feel. Again, we don't go by our feelings. We don't go by what we see. We go by what the word of God, because what does it say? You want to know what faith sounds like? It says, but what does it say? So he's about to tell you what faith sounds like. What does it say? 
the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach. It's in faith sounds like the word of God. What did the word of God say about you? It said by his stripes I was healed so I am healed. The word of God said that he sent his word and healed us therefore I am. The Lord, the word of the Lord says bless the Lord O my soul and all that is in me bless his holy name. Don't forget his benefits who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Come on the faith sounds like the word of God because it won't speak apart from it and so it says the word is near you I mean it's not some distant thing the word of God is something that is a reality that is present with you it is something that is in your mouth and in your heart and he's saying this is the word of faith or this is the message of faith that we're preaching so what does faith sound like it sounds like the finished work of Christ it sounds like the things that are established that he said are done you begin to speak them as done in your life and if he says it so you say I believe it I believe that's how it is Lord I believe you you said in your word Lord if anyone has any need to go ahead and ask and you give liberally I go ahead and ask and I believe that I have exactly what you said I have faith sounds like the word of God not your whining is that a little too strong? <laughs> I, I can preach to myself here because I need to hear that sometimes. Faith sounds like the word of God, not your complaint. Faith sounds like the word of God, not your obstacle. Faith sounds like the word of God, not your giant's words being mouthed off. What did David say to his giant? How dare you speak that? I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds. That was his faith speaking to the giant. The giant said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and stones? He didn't ha let that stop him. He didn't go, oh wait, yeah, he is pretty big and I'm pretty small and he's got sword and armor and I've got some rocks. No, it sounds like the word of God. How dare you defy the armies of the living God. We have covenant with him. He always comes through. Amen? So what does faith sound like? It sounds like the word of God. The word before you, the word in your mouth, and the word in your heart. And if the word isn't coming out of your mouth in a hard season, it's not in your heart. Because when the pressure's on, what's inside is going to come out. Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so if the word and words of faith don't come out in a time of pressure, it hasn't been near you, it hasn't been in you, and it hasn't been on your mouth because faith sounds like the word of God. Faith sounds like the very words that Jesus spoke. Faith sounds like the promises being declared in the mouth of a victorious one. And he gives us an example here, and that example is salvation. He says this, that, so in accordance with what he just said, it looks like this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe where? In your heart that God has. Didn't we say the promises are past tense? Your salvation isn't something that he was going to do for you when you believed. It's something he did before, for you before you believed right? The promises of God are past tense. 
I confess with my mouth, what? That Jesus is Lord, and I believe that in my heart because God has already raised him from the dead, and because of that, I've stepped into salvation. I stepped into something that had already been prepared for me. Isn't that salvation? Salvation happened 2,000 years ago, and really, that's even debatable to say it like that because the Word of God tells us that he is the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The act of the cross permeates time in both directions. In the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the cross. In the New Testament, we're looking backwards to the cross because it all hinges on what Jesus did and not what I did. And my response is only to align myself with what Jesus said and what he did. That is the message of faith. And that's what faith sounds like. If he said it, I believe it, it is so, but it doesn't look so. No, it is so, but you're lying, you're denying. No, it is so. And I don't go by what I see. I go ahead and walk into the victory he's already prepared for me by treating it as done and letting that be on my tongue. Amen? So he said, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And you could say, well, this chapter's about salvation. No, it isn't. It's about faith. And that moment of salvation is just the model of how you believe for everything in your life. You need some scripture to back that up? I'm so glad you asked. Paul said to the Colossians in chapter 2, verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. The way you stepped into salvation is the way you step into his blessings and the way you step into his promises. It is by there's something that you saw in the word, you've planted it in your heart, you've put it on your mouth, and now you're walking into it. And so he says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up. Rooted and built up. If you want to look at it, there's two different examples we can look. First one, rooted. What happens when you put a seed in the ground? It begins to produce. What happens to that seed over time? It grows strong roots. And they go deeper, they spread out further, in order to, to be able to support that which is going to grow above the soil. And because we've not fed our roots of faith, We've not seen much above the soil. Come on. When you feed it yourself on the promises of the word of God and you allow yourself to be rooted in faith, they grow down deep so that you can grow up tall. Amen? He says built up. That's the example of construction or building something. Christ is the chief cornerstone of which everything else is to be built off. When you put that block of salvation that was Jesus, there was more things meant to be built off it. It is the stone in which everything else is aligned off of. If your cornerstone is bad, your building will be crooked. But Jesus is not crooked. He is very straight. He is very secure. He is a rock and an anchor of which other things can be built off of. And so he says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And then he gives a warning. 
He says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, and I love this one, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. His warning is you're to stand in faith and believe, and others are going to say, well, that's just not how it works according to the basic principles of the world, yes, but I'm not bound by the basic principles of the world. I'm bound by the Word of God, which supersedes it. And so you may say that's not how it is. You can accept that for you, but I won't accept it for me. I'm going to go ahead and launch out in faith and be what he said I am. And so beware, lest anyone cheat you. And I guess we could also turn that around and say, beware, lest you try to cheat yourself. Get rid of that thinking and let it become conformed to the word of God. Because here he says, for with the heart, the inner man, the real you, the spirit you, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. But what is not listed there? The big old noodle between our ears that we call a mind. And so we will believe with our heart, we speak with our mouth, and you got to do something about your mind because it'll put a stumbling block in between you and what God has said about you. If you choose to think differently and speak differently, the Lord, Lord will let you do that. He won't micromanage your life. He won't make you change your mind. But Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word conformed there is if you want to think of it in the, the context of casting, you build the mold and then you pour and force the material into it so that the material looks a certain way, is shaped a certain way. And the world will try to shove you into their mold. You were not meant to be molded and formed and fashioned in that way. The Bible says that he is the potter and we are the clay. He molds and he shapes and he puts us in the right place as we align ourselves with the word of God. The, word, the, the world will try to force you into their way. The way of the Lord is gentle. It's precise. It's like, oh, we need a little off here and a little off here as he shapes you into a vessel fit for his use. And so he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so when it comes to faith, one of the biggest things that will hinder you is your thinking, your thoughts. The word of God can say whatever it wants, but if you think something else, it will not benefit you. And so he says, change your mind, renew it. Send it through. The word for renewing there has to do with renovation. And as we go ahead and bring a renovation to our mind, that word transformed is the word metamorphosis. You are transformed. You are changed. You could use it as the example of the butterfly. It used to look like an ugly worm, but when it's gone through that process, it's that beautiful butterfly, very colorful. And everybody's like, ooh, butterfly. And verse, back to Romans 10, verse 11 says, For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, whoever believes on him, 
Whoever believes, believing is the act of releasing faith, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Ooh, there's too many Christians walking around with shame and condemnation and guilt sitting upon them where he says, no, 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 believers, that stuff's put away. And he says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same, law, it's the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. He's rich to all. He's no respecter of persons. But he's rich to those who call upon him. Why? Because the word of God is near you, it's in your heart, and it's on your mouth. It says he's rich to all who call upon him. That word rich there in the Greek means to have an abundance. Isn't it good to know God's got a lot? <laughs> he's not of short supply. He means it means to be richly supplied. And for the third one's the best. He is affluent in resources so that he can give blessings of salvation to all. <laughs> he is rich in resources, affluent in resources. God's got more than enough. And you going ahead and believing for the provision he already said you have is not going to leave God in short supply. That's why he said he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Not according to how much you have in your bank account or what you can do with your hands or how you might be able to jiggy things around so that, oh, maybe it'll come out and work out a little bit. No, he supplies according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus and he's rich to all who call upon his name. He's a full supply of everything you will ever need. You know, a friend of ours, Jim Hockaday, and you, you men know him from our Bible studies on Saturday mornings, he, he had a vision a number of years ago where the Lord took him up into a part of heaven and he was walking through what seemed like a warehouse district and they went in and there was arms and legs and hearts and everything there that would be needed that just need to be received by faith. He is a full supply of whatever it is you need. And a lot of times we just leave things hanging in the warehouse because we're too ashamed to say that the word of God is what it says it is and that I am what it says he is. And if he says I'm healed, so I, I am. He's got more than enough for what I need right now. Amen? Amen? And he says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he says, how then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And this is good. This is showing the progression of faith. How can you call on a Lord you don't believe in? How can you draw from his provision if you don't believe in that provision? You won't. If you don't believe he will, you will never ask. And so if you don't believe, you will not call. And he says, how will they believe if they've not heard? And so if there's no input of the word, there will be no output of faith. How can they believe on him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear and without a preacher? Or basically the implication is someone telling them. Whether it be the word or whether it be another Christian stirring up. And he says, how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach. Preach what? The gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. God has a lot different perspective of what the gospel is than most of the body of Christ these days. 
You walk into most churches, it's an angry gospel about how bad the world has gotten and how you just never know what God's going to do. Come on, that's not the word of God. It is a gospel or good news of peace and glad tidings of good things. As the word of God said, if he who did not spare his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give you all things? Come on. Glad tidings of good things. But why don't we see it that much then? Well, often we're looking in the wrong place, but also because of verse 16. But they've not all obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report or another way of saying lord why don't people believe that it is how you said it is you said that we access things by faith that we live by faith that all things are possible to him who believes lord who's who's actually believed that report and he says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god or as we were saying earlier in the year, and out of the Passion Translation, faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance. Response. What does a response look like? Lord, you said it is, I say it is so. That's what, Laura, your testimony was. It was a response to that message. I believe. I don't know the details, but I believe. That's a response of faith. Lord, you said it. I believe it. And so as we continue on in this series of faith, we're going to begin to look at different areas that often trip us up as Christians, that we're not supposed to struggle with, that the Word of God says differently than how most of us live, that you can't believe unless you know. And so we're going to look at different topics of where our faith needs to be applied and in which direction. Amen? You looking forward to that? That we, if you can't believe out of what you don't know. So we're going to make sure that you know, and then the choice is in your court. I either believe it or I don't. But you can't believe what you don't know. You can't trust in a God that you don't know. Amen? So we're going to make sure that you know, so that way the ball is in each and every one of our courts. When we face the situation, you go, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, I know what the Word of God said about this. Faith is now going to be applied. Because faith now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the very thing that our own God uses. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The Lord believed something. He had a vision of creation, and he used his faith and spoke it into existence in the same way he's called for us to believe with our heart and speak with our mouth. And so in the few moments we have left, I really appreciate that Toph sang that last song. We honor the blood of Jesus Christ, 
because I said a few weeks ago that the Lord had been stirring things up about the blood of Jesus in my heart. And he told, my, told me something one day when Garnet and I were praying. He said that we like our media bloody and gritty, but we like our Christianity squeaky clean. No, we need to honor the blood and understand what it has done for us. And so I keep coming back to the, the communion table. I keep coming back to what the Lord has said in his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, in the same manner, this is Paul teaching on the b- blood and the body of Christ, and he says, in the same manner, he also took the cup, and after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant in which we stand was ratified by the blood. So if we don't understand what the blood has done, we will not stand in what the new covenant has prepared for us. We read earlier today that faith is the end of the law. That section of time has been done away with, and by the blood of Jesus, we stand in a new covenant. And he said, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It is based off of that finished work that Jesus has done for us. And Hebrews chapter 8 says, now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. He being Jesus is talking about. Inasmuch he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. And so if the old covenant was good when we look at aspects of it and we see what the children of Israel experienced and what they did. Those were good aspects of it, but it wasn't perfect. And Jesus brought in a better covenant, the new covenant. And when we look at our Bible, we have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament, but unfortunately a lot of Christians are living out of an Old Testament mentality when we need to look at the blood of the New Covenant of what He has prepared for us to walk in. He says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. (laughs) The first one was not faultless. And He tells us where the fault was. He says, because finding fault with them. It was a two-sided covenant. There was God's part, and then there was man's part, and man had faults. The second covenant is not like that. Jesus did the work. Jesus went to the grave. Jesus went to hell. He conquered it, and Jesus rose up. And it says you've been crucified together with him. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And so the first covenant was, had faults because it required both sides. You know, after the giving of the law, do you know what the children of Israel immediately said? All these things we will surely do and didn't even make it a week before they created a new God. There was faults, but the new covenant is perfect. It's perfect in his blood. And so he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, where I'll make a new covenant. This is speaking from the past, forward to Jesus. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and I led them out of Egypt because they did not 
What, what didn't they do? Continue. What's our word for the year? Continue. They didn't continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. Why? Because with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Our minds are to be renewed to the word of God so that we can think in line with the promises versus our feelings and our faults. And he says, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And so in the same manner, he took the cup after supper and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so where we're going to be going next week, just to stir you up, we're going to take a look at how awesome this new covenant is so that you will not settle for less. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time where we could look into your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever because, Jesus, you are the word. You are the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we thank you, Lord, that just as it was when it was written is how it is today, and we can be just as assured, just as confident, and place just as much faith as the New Testament Christians did. And so, Father, we give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you for this time, and we look forward to more from you in this coming week, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that church is not the end of it. No, we live with you, we work with you, we flow with you, we listen with you day in and day out. For moment by moment, we live in your goodness. We live in your grace, and Lord, we believe that you are good, and we thank you for it. In just a moment, our Word Care team is going to be up here at the front. They would love to pray with you, believe with you, agree with you, testify with you, whatever it is that you need. Make yourself available to them. Garnet, why don't you come on in and bring us for a landing? Great. All right. It, it's offering time. Um, that's right. Woohoo. Uh, there's a couple of verses I just want to uh, share with you that, um, yeah, are close to me. Uh, first one, Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Um, just talking about that, I mean, I think most of you guys know I'm a farming background, love farming. Um, so this time of year, you know, harvest is coming, right? So we always have that opportunity to give, but there's always harvest time, and God will. Most of us don't have barns anymore, but I think most of us have bank accounts, right? So he is wanting to and fill, wants to fill them up. So again, as Pastor Jordan was talking, that was Old Testament, but it's also a New Testament. Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you so anyways this is an opportunity it's not something you have to do it's an opportunity it's you get to do it right so anyways um, that's how we can give or there's envelopes in the backs of the chairs so 
Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to give, and uh, there's never an opportunity not to do that. And Father, we just take this moment to give now for your work, for your kingdom, and we just call it blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and Doreen and myself will be right over here. So come see us.